0: The content in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. The information, opinions, and discussions in this podcast are for informational purposes only. As each person's situation is different, please consult your healthcare professional with any medical questions. Welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. I'm April Love, former beauty queen, model, and lawyer turned startup entrepreneur this podcast explores living with hereditary angioedema or hae a condition which i myself have been diagnosed with each episode will share stories from myself and others and interviews with health professionals and thought leaders in the space i want to help those living with this condition know they are not alone thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get healthy AF. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Healthy AF podcast. I'm your host, April Love, and on today's episode, we are talking all things baby and getting pregnant. Uh, To talk to us about this today, we are bringing back a very special guest, Professor Connie Catalaris. She is the Professor of Allergy and Immunology at Western Sydney University. She's also the Head of Unit at Campbelltown Hospital and has a private practice at Westmead. Professor Catalaris, welcome back.
1: Thank you, April. Nice to be back.
0: For those of you who don't know, Professor Catalaris spoke to us about the 101s of HAE for episode number two. So please go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Uh, But today we'll be talking about pregnancy. So to begin with, um, for those looking to start a family, uh, how does HAE uh, affect this?
1: Well, maybe if we take a couple of steps back and say that women tend to be more severely affected with HAE. And we think that's because female sex hormones play a really important role in the onset of HAE and driving swellings. So in in one large survey, about two thirds of women uh, said that their condition worsens significantly around puberty. And certainly the majority will have worsening if they take estrogen-containing contraceptive pills. Mm. So one of the major in, um, messages for uh, girls and women with HAE is to avoid estrogen-containing pills. They need to use different forms of contraception, uh, progesterone-only pills, and and barrier methods, and yep. so on. So, that's the first thing. We know that the female hormones are detrimental in in causing mm-hmm. more more swellings. So, when you're at the stage of planning pregnancy, it is important to involve your immunologist as well as your gynecologist and obstetrician, um, and and to have good knowledge about what is likely to happen. There have been a few surveys of women in pregnancy, including a a small one from Australia that I and a colleague did some years ago that shows a variable Mm -hmm. course of HAE during pregnancy. Um, Many women report more attacks in the first trimester, but other women report more attacks in the third trimester um, with the middle trimester being a little bit more stable. And the reason for that is probably because of the hormonal fluxes that that you see. Treatment has to be tailored in pregnancy because not all the available drugs for HAE are approved as being safe in pregnancy. Although as we go along and get more experience, we are getting a little bit more confident about that. Remember that HAE is an incredibly rare disorder and then there's only a few patients with HAE who actually go through pregnancy. So it's really a difficult area to study to get enough uh, information to be certain about things. But because C1 inhibitor concentrate, and in this country, the form we have of that is Berinert, is a natural mm-hmm. blood product. We're very confident that Berinert is completely safe in pregnancy. And in fact, that's what we've used for decades for pregnant women. So we can use it mm-hmm. for managing acute attacks, And for women who are having uh, frequent attacks, then we can use it prophylactically. Um, If women show an increase in attacks in pregnancy, I like to have them on prophylaxis because it's really important to have that that side of problems controlled for them so that the pregnancy can be a far more enjoyable experience. And it then controls the possibility that abdominal pain is due to HAE and not to some other cause. So I suppose that's the major problem uh, for doctors managing yeah. a woman with HAE. If she presents with abdominal pain in pregnancy, is this an HAE attack or is it due to one of the other many reasons a woman can have abdominal pain during a pregnancy?
0: If you have swelling or an acute attack in the abdominal area and let's say you are I don't know, halfway through your pregnancy, does that harm, is that harmful to the baby at all or...?
1: No, not not in that way. Um, we know that women with HAE don't have any more spontaneous abortions than the normal population, okay. and they certainly don't yeah. have any higher risk of having an abnormality in the baby than in the normal population. So they they're not the problems.
0: And and what stage of the pregnancy do you need to involve the immunologist, like? you know is it only towards the delivery or like obviously you said in the first trimester like um you can have more attacks like do you need to kind of let them know that oh I'm planning to have a baby it's time for you to get involved
1: (laughs) well I I I would like to think that with my patients at least um (laughs) we have a rapport and we would discuss these things because like you most women have questions around it and would like them answered before they embark on pregnancy. So um, my patients would discuss that with me and I would outline for them how I would plan to manage them Mm. during pregnancy. Um, Interestingly, the delivery is not as much of a problem as you might think, even though it's a traumatic time. Um, We are impressed by the lack of swelling at the time of a vaginal delivery. So we don't automatically pre-medicate Um, a person with HAE for delivery, but we would certainly have treatment on hand should there be a problem. Now, that isn't the case if the delivery is not going to be a natural delivery. Um, If there's going to be forceps intervention, suction Mm -hmm. intervention, then we would like to pre-medicate with um, C1 inhibitor concentrate, Berinert, And certainly if um, a cesarean was planned, um, we would need to have Uh, pre-medication. So we call that short-term prophylaxis. If a woman Mm -hmm. hasn't been on long-term prophylaxis with Berenert throughout the pregnancy, we would certainly use it um, before any operation for a cesarean section or or so on. We would hope that the cesarean could be done um, under a a spinal anesthetic to avoid the need for intubation because intubation carries the risk of having airway swelling. But again, we would prep by giving Berenert and having Berenert on hand, should there be any sign of swelling.
0: So that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you have HAE, you become automatically high risk then. It's just dependent on how much you swell during the pregnancy.
1: Yes. So it depends on what you mean by the term high risk. So, you know, we usually reserve that term for, for women who have, say, diabetes or severe asthma or severe arthritis where there are particular complications. With HAE, the problem is that there may be instability in the number of swellings, but I'm quite confident, having managed pregnancy for a number of women, that if that's the case, we start regular Mm. infusions of Berenert, then we're able to manage that.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Now, while a cataban's been around now since, you know, 29, 2010, it's still not recommended in pregnancy. However, I do know of cases where there was nothing else on hand and the women have used it very successfully without any problems. However, we, we don't recommend it at this mm. stage. The newer prophylactic, lanadelumab or taxyro has a category B1 rating for pregnancy. So again, when you are in the lucky position of having a number of agents available, the preference, because of its long safety record, and it's natural, um, what what it is, is mm. natural, we would go for verinert. But I can see in the future with experience being built up, uh, lanodelumab being uh, approved. And as I say, it's a category B1 at the present mm. time. So if you're in a circumstance where a woman was having a lot of problems, and there was no C1 inhibitor concentrate, then it's something with discussion you would use uh, in in that yep. woman during pregnancy.
0: Okay. I know that we kind of touched on this, that yes, you know, it's important to involve your uh, immunologist um, during this process. But one of the questions that I think um, a lot of people might have is, you know, is it, can you still go through the public system or you have to go through, I guess, the private system in that sense, because you need your immunologist and obstetrician or?
1: No, I mean, as long as all your carers are aware of the condition and if they're not, Um, familiar with it well most doctors would upskill themselves if they have a patient with a rare condition Mm. that they need to manage so I I, and you know many immunologists work in the public system like myself so I mean there's I don't think there's an issue there I think it's important Mm. that uh, your obstetrician your GP um, knows about the condition and they can contact contact your immunologist at any time if there are any Mm. problems the immunologist will organize your orders of uh, berinert or whatever and then yeah. when the time comes if you know you're one of the people that might need the involvement of an anesthetist they will need to know about it as well and be uh, prepared and have a conversation yeah. with your immunologist I mean I think the theme here is communication for everybody yeah. who's involved with you to communicate and to understand the condition and to work co- together and um, I'd like to think that we do that with any of our patients with yeah. chronic uh,
0: medical problems so this might be a silly question but let's say you're full a woman is full term taking a needle in the stomach when it's that big would that penetrate the baby you're,
1: you're worried about giving abdominal injections yeah. look you can give them in the thigh you can give them laterally okay. you know you don't have to give them right near the umbilicus you can give them around to the side into there's many places where you yeah. can give you're not going to pierce the baby
0: yeah that was my question.
1: injection and you just move it more to the side, okay?
0: Do you know what? Some people might have this question.
1: Yes. Yes, I'm sure they do, yeah.
0: What is the percentage, um, you know, of of a baby having HAE, obviously if it's hereditary and in the the line? Okay,
1: yes. So it's an autosomal dominant condition, which means that each child you have has a one in two chance of having it. So Mm -hmm. if you have um, two children, you know, on probability, one of them will be affected. But, you know, that's, that's um, it, we're talking probability. I have families that I look after where uh, mum's got three children and all three are affected. And I've got another family where, you know, dad has it and none of the children have it. So, mm. you know, but when you look overall, it's a one in two chance. It's, it's an inherited condition. And even though yours is a spontaneous mutation, now that you have it, you pass that on in an autosomal dominant fashion.
0: Okay, sure. And is it rare for babies to actually swell up? Or it, it has happened. I know that you in our second episode you said that, you know, it generally occurs, you know, when they're in their at, at teens, adolescents, when their hormones are kind of changing, but you can have babies that have swells?
1: Oh, certainly, yes. Just to reiterate what I said previously, um, we know that infants and young children can swell but it's far less common and Mm. very very unusual for a child to swell in the first 12 months of life but most parents want to know fairly quickly if the baby is affected Um, the issue is that the tests we do to confirm the diagnosis can be somewhat unreliable in the first year of life they can be done Mm. but they should be repeated If there is an absolute need to know, then genetic tests can be done. But it is really Mm -hmm. rare for an infant to swell in that first year of life.
0: And so if an infant does swell, do you treat it the same? You probably treat it with baronade or something similar. You would just, parents would just take their child to a hospital. Mm,
1: Yes, and certainly, you know, after infancy, um, once you know that a child is affected, I like the parents to have a dose of, uh, Berenert on hand at all times, but they might go years before they see a swelling. And, and the issue in very young children comes with abdominal pain because it's really common for children to have tummy pains. But if you've got a child who you know has HAE, you always question, is this HAE or is it some other cause? And, and that becomes a bit of mm-hmm. a diagnostic problem.
0: Is there anything else to consider that I may not have um, considered that our listeners should probably know about? Yeah. So, I mean,
1: I, I think a woman with HAE planning pregnancy should do all the usual health things, make sure their diet is good, that they're a healthy weight, that they're in the right headspace, um, knowing that the pregnancy may be more stressful. Also, we haven't touched on post-pregnancy, oh, yes. you know, having a, a baby, especially your first Um, the emotional upheaval, Mm. the lack of sleep, many women have quite a hard time, you know, in that perinatal period, adjusting to having this new life that they have to care for. And HAE may be complicating things. So it's another vulnerable time for women. And it's a time where they need to have their treatment well sorted with their immunologist. Lactation also Mm. is something you need to plan for. I mean, we always encourage any woman to breastfeed if they possibly can, but there can be more attacks associated mm. and give being a, a breastfeeding mum does limit your choice in treatment because we recommend again, much the same as pregnancy that you rely on Baronert. Um, we, we don't, know that there's a problem with a catabant and i know many women who have used it without any problem but the recommendation at the moment is to stick with baronet mm-hmm. for both acute and prophylaxis in the breastfeeding period and once that period's over often the attack rate settles down mm. you know okay so it, it's not just pregnancy you you, you need to have a longer term vision have you know where you've got it the possibility to have um in place support systems for that early time because it's traumatic for any woman let alone someone who might be dealing with swellings as well so the more planning the more talking about it the more aware you are of your possibilities and your treatments um the better the outcome yeah
0: oh that's fantastic does diet impact um hereditary angioedema at all like you know having a low inflammatory diet does that help or it does nothing
1: no there's absolutely no evidence for any of that. Where people do talk is that some people recognize if they have a really heavy meal. I have some patients who say if they have a really spicy meal, that can provoke an abdominal attack. But a diet is not going to change the frequency of attacks or whether you get an attack in your hand or somewhere else. But um, those that sort of heaviness, fatty foods, spicy things, not everybody with HAE has problems with that. But some of my patients will report that those things are more likely to provoke an abdominal attack. But there's no diet to be followed. A good, yep. healthy diet to keep yourself as healthy as possible is what we would recommend. Yeah.
0: Had I known that, I could have still been eating meat. I went vegan after I was diagnosed. And you're still
1: swelling, <laughs> are yeah.
0: That's
1: right. So your diet choice uh, rests on other things. You are not going to influence your, <laughs> your HAE. This is not a dietary problem. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much again for your time today, Professor Catalaris. That information you provided was extremely helpful. And I guess if you have HAE and you're planning a pregnancy, it would be great for you to speak to a dedicated healthcare team um, to help them plan that, especially if they have any questions. I really appreciate you coming back uh, on the Healthy AF podcast. Okay. Thank you, April. You're most welcome. And of course, to our listeners, thank you for joining on another episode of the Healthy AF Podcast hosted by me, April Love. Please don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, and Google, and stay tuned for our next episode.